This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. morning church we're in the dog days of summer do you know why they call it that have you ever heard that before because why probably i actually don't know why but i like that i've got uh just a couple more announcements for you and i will i don't normally do this but i will let you know that i got hit hard with the allergies so um my throat's really dry, so if I start coughing and hacking, I'll pull through probably. Just say a quick prayer for me. A uh, few things to let you guys know about. First of all, VBS last week was awesome. I want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart for your involvement. If you helped and served, I know that the kids were super blessed. Uh, the, it, this place was nuts. It was like a madhouse. But the kids had a ton of fun. Thank you, volunteers. Thank you for your prayers. And also some good news. I did receive a report from somebody that uh, a few of the kids um, gave their hearts to the Lord last week as well. So, amen. And I would like to implore you to continue to pray for those little souls. Pray for them. Love on them. And um, we'll see. The Lord bless us through the next generation. Two more things. This is your last chance. One last announcement. One last chance. Probably more for me than for you. But there's you have one last final chance to go to Israel in September. So we have a couple spots available. If you'd like to come, we would love to have you come with us. There's a sign-up sheet at the information station, or you can come talk to me after the service. It's going to be a great trip. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And on that note, trip note, uh, we are moving our Croatia trip from June, July, which is when it usually is, to January next year. So if you're interested in coming on our um, Croatia slash Austria trip, this year we're going to be going to the Calvary Chapel Conference Center in Austria and serving the pastors at the pastors conference where they have anywhere from 100 to 120 pastors from all over East and West uh, Europe. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if you're interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet at the information station as well. Space is limited, but we would also love to have you on that trip. Um, it's going to be an awesome blessing. We're in Philippians chapter 3 this morning, continuing our series through the book of Philippians. It's all in your head. If anybody needs a Bible, raise your hand so we can get a Bible in your hand. You can follow along with us. Have you guys been getting much out of this series? Thank you. Y'all, you Everybody all right this morning? We need to do some jumping jacks. It's all in your head. <laughs> it's all in your head. What The, the decisions that you make are going to be manifested physically through your body, but uh, it starts with your thinking. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 is where we're going to start this morning. The title of today's message is, Do As I Do. Have you ever heard the expression, do as I say, not as I do? 
we as Christians cannot be hypocritical in, uh, in the things that we say by, by not following through and doing them. You know, that's the old uh, smoking father. If, if, if I ever catch you smoking, I'm going to chop your fingers off. Well, dad, that's not the greatest example. If you don't want me to do it, then I should. <laughs> then, then, then you shouldn't do it too. That is uh, hypocrisy, and there is hypocrisy in the church when it comes to that. But Paul is going to be talking to them, the Philippians, about um, following the example that he set and others around him, the, those that he had sent to them. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example... <clears throat> And note those who so walk as you have a pattern, you have us for a pattern. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word to us today, that it's good, that you want to encourage us, you want to bless us, you want to strengthen us, you want to build us up, and we want to receive that. So God, help our hearts to be in the right place this morning to hear from you. Lord, we thank you for that time of worship and, and the blessed, talented people that we have, Lord, leading that, that worship team. And we can offer you the fruit of our lips. Father, we thank you for, for your word that you've given us chapter by chapter, verse by verse, that we can study and apply to our lives. We want it to be a, an act of worship when we do that application. And God, we, we pray that the same would be said and done uh, with our tithes and offerings, that it would be, it would be an act of worship, that, that you would be glorified and you would be exalted. God, speak to your church today, we pray. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Brethren, join us in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. I'm going to give you something to start to think about at the beginning of the Bible study. And I'm going to wrap it up at the end, remind us at the end. This is what I have for your takeaway, but we'll meditate on it through the scripture like I just said. You need to be purposeful in the pattern. You pattern your lives a certain way. We, we, we all should pattern our lives a certain way. We're, we're more productive. It's more beneficial when we set out and we, and we have a pattern for our lives. Be purposeful in that pattern. Talking about Christianity or the walk with the Lord, we see he's encouraging them. Brothers, join in following my example. Now, this isn't too much to be said for Paul because he did practice what he preached. Look at what it says here. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. What, what was Paul saying that he does? What's Paul saying that we need to do? Walk the walk. If you talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. And he said, you guys have an example of us. It reminds me of what he said to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the tradi traditions just as I delivered them to you. Kind of easy sometimes to get off track and to lose focus, to, to ignore or get away from the pattern that was set. But what does he say? Paul says, imitate me, follow me as I follow Christ. 
I'd like to say to my kids, follow me, your father. As Tim Warholic, no, I don't want them to follow the, the, the carnal Tim. I want them to follow Tim, dad, as I follow Jesus. We can have confidence in being a good example. We can have confidence in being a good example when we're following Jesus, when we're walking with him. Do you know why? Because Jesus is the ultimate example. Can I get a witness? Testify. Amen. Jesus is the ultimate example. When I'm following Jesus, I'm going to be the best example that I can be. For not just my kids, but for my brothers and sisters around me, setting myself in a good pattern, being purposeful in the pattern so that I can be an, ex an example to others. Because whether you like it or not, you're going to be an example one way or the other. Do you know that? You're going to be an example. Might as well want to be a good example. Walk the walk as you have us for a pattern. And you guys can look around you. In the church, nowadays with technology, you can listen to Bible studies that were recorded decades ago. Halfway around the world, you can listen to these sermons. or You have these examples of godly men and women who are following Jesus that you, can, that you can identify the pattern in their life and you can allow it to impact you. You've got Christian radio. We're so spoiled. It's, it's all in your head, right? How easy is it for you to just kind of get into the wrong mentality, get frustrated with the way things are going in your life? I love the fact that I can get in my truck, I can turn the radio on and I can listen to somebody singing worship songs even when I don't feel like worshiping. And it helps to get me back in that, that, that place that, that I should be. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Who is he talking about here? He's not talking about people in the world. He's talking about people who identify as believers in Jesus Christ. Think about that for a second. For many walk of whom I have told you often, he's, what is he saying? I'm warning you. And now I tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. This doesn't mean like they're the antichrist or they're against Jesus. What it means is that they're doing the opposite of the example that Jesus set for them. Jesus said what? If you want to follow me, if you want to walk with me, what do you need to do? Pick up your cross and follow me. Crucify the flesh. Obedience to the Father is better than obedience to self, which is something that we're going to talk about right uh, in a second here in this next couple of verses. But look what he says. He says, I'm even weeping about it. How many times in the New Testament do we know that Paul cried? You know, Paul cried, right? He, he, he cries for joy. He cries for compassion. He cries for the sake of these people who are going in the wrong direction, their enemy. He's, he says that I, I weep for them. What kind of things do you weep over? Do you know we never have an account of Paul in the New Testament crying because he's in difficulty? He's getting stoned. He's getting beaten. He's getting unjustly thrown in prison. And in the middle of the night, what is Paul doing? He's, he's crying. 
<laughs> Why does this always happen to me? He's worshiping. He's not crying. The, the response to the persecution in the gospel is worship to God. And God always took care of him, always delivered him. He wasn't crying for his own sake, his own issues. We always see Paul crying for other people. I kind of want to be that kind of person, you know? Lord, less of me, more of you, more of others. Help them. He, he, I, he could identify when somebody's faith was ripped off and it hurt him. But we can be so selfish sometimes where it's really only about us and only about our issues and only about our problems and how we feel but there's people that you can identify that, that, that are around about you that are ripped off in their faith because not, they're, not, they're not embracing what Jesus told them to do, which is die to self. And you know what? Take note of this. I have never been more alive than when I'm willing to die. I have never been more full of life than when I laid my own life down and continue to walk with the Lord. And I guarantee you, cash back guarantee, 100%, that if you lay your life down, you will find it. It's a biblical truth that Jesus teaches us. Ultimately, he's the perfect example of it in being resurrected from the dead. The grave couldn't even hold him because he laid his life down for others. They're enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction. That word uh, could also be translated perdition. They're going to end up being destroyed. They might die early, whatever the case may be. It could be ultimate destruction. But this is one of the most descriptive words in the New Testament that I often refer to because it so, it's so clearly communicates an, an idea. Listen to this. Whose God is their belly. You know what that means? Whatever my belly tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. We live in a culture and society where, where do you want to eat today? Are we going to go to McDonald's or Taco Smell? <laughs> it's, it's even more than, than a physical appetite. It's, it's it, desires and passions. I'm driven by what I want. And, and, and however I feel, that's how I'm guided. That's how I'm directed. And, and the sad thing is, the crazy thing is, we have to be very careful, especially because of the culture that we live in, we have to be very careful with comfortable consumerism. We have to be very careful with, with following an instinct or a feeling or our belly and serving our belly in that way because the end is destruction. Whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame. Have you ever seen somebody glory in something shameful before? Have you guys? It's just so disturbing. It's like you not only should not be doing that, you should not be glorying in it. It's, it's not glorious. It's bad. And, and there are some people that tout it, that this is my glory. Who set their mind on earthly things. Now, this is the idea that's being presented here, that 
that they're so earthly-minded that they're no heavenly good. I, I got it the right way. That the other quote would be what you're so heavenly minded that you're so earthly good. The, the opposite should be don't be earthly minded. You look at the, the great men and women of the Bible who identified they were okay. They were comfortable with identifying as sojourners that they were passing through Abraham searching for a city whose builder and founder was God not searching for a city where he can consume. I love the fact that when, when him and Lot get in the disagreement and they're going to split up, he, he lets Lot pick and Lot picks the consumerism area. Lot picks the best part of the land because Abraham knows that God is going to be the one that takes care of him. His trust and his dependencies in God, not on what he could do for himself. But so often we find ourselves trying to, to do the best for ourselves instead of seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You know, I, in living that verse and seeing its fulfillment in my life, I don't know, I, don't, I, I, I can't wrap my head around the, the terrible things that I missed out on because I was just willing to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, when I, was, uh, when I was praying for Grace, when I, when I thought she was really cute in Bible college and I, and I wanted her to be my wife, I didn't tell her. I prayed for her for an entire year. And when I was praying for God, I would ask God, God, can I go talk to Grace now? And I wasn't going to do it until he said, yes, I could go talk to her. And I was praying for her and praying for her. And then sometimes I'd get anxious and I'd say, God, I just want to go talk to her. Can I talk to her? And he'd always say, wait, 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 wait. And sometimes when I would get a little bit, you know, too pushy with him, he would give me that verse. Hey, Tim, seek my kingdom, my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. To the day that I'll never forget the day, I was sitting in um, the director of the Bible college's office, looking out the window, snowflakes this big falling. It was like January or something. It was gorgeous outside. And I'll never forget, I was preparing for a Bible study in 1 Corinthians the next day. He had me teach in his class. I was doing an internship under him. And I just prayed again, Lord, when can I go talk to Grace Chadwick? And he said, go talk to her right now. So I jumped up, went and found her, went and talked to her, told her how I felt. She said she felt the same way. And then later on when we were talking, she said, if you would have talked to me at any point before the point that you did, I would not have been interested in you. It was just something about that timing. Trust God. That's a true story. Trust God. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. What, what does that mean? His rightness. What he does is perfect. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, whom there's no shifting or variation. His timing is perfect. He loves you. Don't Allow your mind to be so occupied with the earthly things that you miss out on the glorious heavenly possibilities. <laughs> the things that God's waiting, wanting to bless you in. Number uh, verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved, 
and longed for, brethren, my joy and my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. This is a very um, famous verse. Many of you probably have heard it before. We've read it many times before. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When our identity is more earthly, we won't have the kind of satisfaction in life that God desires for us to have. And he's reminding them, your citizenship is in heaven. It's good to have some kind of pride of where you live. I love being an American. America, can I get a witness? Come on, you guys, America's awesome. And I've traveled all over the world. And people in different parts of the world, they have their their pride for their countries and and it's their God-given heritage and that's great. I would talk to these young people in split Croatia and they would say this, it was like all the time, they would say, split's the most beautiful city in the world. It's the most gorgeous. There's nothing that can compare to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, really? Yeah, the beaches are pristine. The water is clear and the trees. And it's just, it's the most glorious city, the most glorious area of the whole world. And I'd say, oh yeah? Have you been anywhere else? No. Never been outside the city. Some of these people literally never been outside the city. And I'm like, then how do you know? Well, because I've seen pictures and whatever. It's the most beautiful. I get it. It's, there's some pride attached to it, all right? But for you and I as Christians, we need to have more confidence in our heavenly citizenship, and that will so impact us to walk by the example that was given to us to influence and affect each other's, each other, being purposeful in the pattern. Look at this, he says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice that that word uh, Savior is capitalized. And this was a title or a name that was given to Caesar in uh, B.C. 48. He was literally called the Savior. And the reason, the purpose that Paul is putting this in here right here is, is to remind them that there's one Savior. Ultimately, Paul's going to end up losing his life for not hailing Caesar as his Savior. Because Paul says, I only serve one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. Philippi was also known as a military town. Many retirees from the Roman army would move there and, 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 and you know retire, spend the rest of their lives. And because of its close connection to uh, its close connectedness to Rome and, and the zeal, the Roman zeal that was there, many of its citizens, most of them were granted citizenship, which you and I understand uh, was difficult back then. To be a Roman citizen meant something. So when he's writing these things to them, you can see the language, why it's so strong to these people who take such confidence and pride in their earthly citizenship, but maybe not so much, maybe just a reminder. And then the connection, whatever greatness your citizenship is on earth, how much greater is your citizenship in heaven? How much more glorious? How much more exciting? That, yeah, it'd be great if Caesar went and visited Philippi and he came and everybody, we'd have a big parade and oh, you know, Caesar. 
But what about Jesus? He's coming back for us. He's coming back for you, for me. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Who wants a new body? Me. That'd be awesome, huh? Glorious body? It's going to be better, bro. Look at it. He says, to be conformed to his glorious body. I can't wait to see what what it's going to look like to, to, to be in an, an eternal habitation of, of a body. No more allergies. No more sicknesses. No more aches and pains. According to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. That's your Lord. That is your Savior. He who not only is able to give you a glorious body, he's able to bring you through the resurrection of the body, the resurrection from the dead, give you a glorious body, and able to subdue all things to himself. Yes, please, that's my Lord. Therefore, my beloved, I long for my brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He really wants them to know that that he loves them. <laughs> That's what beloved means, right? One who is loved, and he's speaking from him from himself. Somebody ever, somebody ever tell you they love you too much? It's like, stop. I know you told me you love me all the time. Sometimes I don't think I could say it enough, and I try to see if I can push Grace to the limit where she, she'll tell me that to stop telling her I love her because I love her so much. I love you, baby. But she's never said it to me. <laughs> He really loves them. He really cares for them. He's just kind of gushing. Hey, guys, pay attention. Watch your lives. Follow my example as I follow Jesus Christ. There's other people who have a good example among you as well. Your citizenship is in heaven. You are my joy and my crown. This, this idea of having a crown isn't like a, a kingly crown. It's, it's, a, it's a crown of victory. Not only am I looking at how I can be victorious personally in my life, in the sense that I'm fulfilling God's will and purpose for me as an individual. God, I want to be in your will. I want to do what you want me to do. That's good. But you know, it's also a, a crown of victory for me. You guys, my, my brothers and sisters around me to see not only that God is able and willing to, to raise from the dead things in my life, like we talked about last week, the power of the resurrection being displayed in my life, but I get to see it through yours too. I get to pray for you. I get to see prayers answered. I get to see healings. Man, I get to see God take and work miracles in broken marriages. And all kinds of incredible things that people wouldn't be able to partake of if they, if they weren't connected and engaged to God through Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, verse 2, I implore Judea and I implore Syntyk to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, 
and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. There's a few things that we're going to look at uh, starting before we get into the three things specifically, starting here with this idea of unity between these two sisters who it seems, and most scholars would agree, that they're in a bitter uh, contention. They're not getting along. Have you ever uh, had a problem with somebody before? <laughs> Have you ever been, not been able to get along with somebody who, who called themselves a brother or sister in the Lord? Yeah, stuff happens. We make bad decisions. We have opinions. And we think our opinion is better than somebody else's to the point where it could cause division. I also echo Paul in Corinthians. I, I love the verse when, when Paul talks about, I would rather just be wronged. Okay, uh, but we have one thing in common, the Lord, and, and we disagree on this thing. I'm fine with just being wronged. It's all right. That's, that's the way that it's going to be for the sake of fellowship and for the sake of unity. And he says, I, I implore them. He doesn't pick anybody's sides. He says it very specifically to each woman. I implore them to be of the same mind in the Lord. In the what? In the Lord. That's where we find unity. I would much rather be uh, walking together in unity than frustrated and mad with people in disunity. And I urge also you, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. We're all in the same book. <laughs> We're in the same boat. Can't we all just get along? It's a good reminder for them. It's a good reminder for us. And then we have our three closing statements. Number one, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Uh, rejoice, continually have joy. Do you know, one of the main things that mark a true believer in Jesus Christ is a joy in life because there's an understanding of the fulfillment of purpose and in that we can have great joy. Like I, I said to you before, you know, I've been all over the world, mission trips, lived in different countries and people ask me from time to time, they say, hey, do you ever wish that you still lived in Europe or do you think you'd ever move back to Europe? And I'd say, you know, I, the best, absolute best place to be is right smack dab in the middle of God's will. That's the best place to be. And when you're in that place, it doesn't matter where you are geographically. Oh man, that fulfillment in your life, the, the realization of the purpose of, of what God created you for and that you're walking in that, it's amazing. It, it will keep you in the furnace of 120 degree summers in Las Vegas while rejoicing. Hey, this has been one of our best summers in a long time, right? This is a great summer except for my allergies because it's like a late spring. What is this? Like the middle of July? The best place to be is right where God says he wants you to be. 
And when he told us to move to Vegas, at first we were a little hesitant. But taking those steps of faith, uh, well, Grace and I talk about it often. It was 2012, June 9th, June 12th. She's got a better memory than me. June 12th, we walk off the airplane, go through the airport, walk outside to go get in my family's car that was picking us up, 115 degrees. Walk out the door and it just kind of hit, you know, it just hits you. And when you're not used to it, it's like, you got to catch your breath. This is crazy. People live here. Oh man, but but to know the sweetness of knowing that where you are, you, you ask yourself, how can people go move to the jungles of the rainforest? How can people go live in mud huts in Africa? How can they go live in colonies with lepers? You know how? It's, it's not sacrifice, it's obedience. And when you take steps of obedience and what God's called you to do, there's a fulfillment and a satisfaction that you, that you, that you never felt or understood before. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Have joy. Allow that to mark your life. And if it doesn't mark your life, I want to challenge you. Ask the Lord for it. God, I want to be an example of what it looks like to be a joyful Christian. That's a great prayer to pray, huh? Who doesn't want to be happy? Who doesn't want to have joy? Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Something I think that's severely lacking in our culture. Gentleness. People are so sensitive. They get their feelings hurt so easy. But we as Christians, here, here's a little, you know, a little tidbit he's, he's given them. He says, hey, be rejoicing. Be rejoicing. But, but be, be gentle. You can, always, you can also see that word as, as support, help, build up. Meet somebody. Be gentle. And let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That last part's just a little kind of reminder, right? <clears throat> How do you want to be living your life when Jesus Christ returns to the earth? You know, there's another verse that says that you may not be ashamed at his appearing. You want to be fighting and bickering and having problems with your brothers and sisters and everybody else. And then Jesus shows up. You're like, oh, wow, that was unexpected. Like a thief in the night. I feel silly. Wow, all those things that, that it talked about in the Bible, all those things were true. Or how about if Jesus comes back and, and his witness, the first thing that he witnesses is, is you in your in your gentleness, humility, and meekness, serving each other and serving others. We live in that kind of mentality that, yes, I do believe that Jesus is coming and he is going to see me wherever I, wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, he's, he's going to behold it. And then number three, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. How many of you guys struggle with anxiety? Man, anxiety is definitely an issue, right? But very simply, very clearly, the Bible instructs us not to be anxious. <laughs> he says, don't, don't be anxious. And if you do find yourself in a place of angst, 
In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You know, I have a, a very dear close friend of mine who had some pretty bad anxiety and it was always about the same things and, and, and she would come talk to me and, and, and I would say, um, you, you just really, you've got to give that to the Lord. Do you know what that means when, when, when you say you got to give it to the Lord? What does that mean? It, it means that you are placing control, trust, and dependence on God to handle that situation. And this was her response to me. We had had the conversation dozens and dozens of times. This is her response to me. I did give it to the Lord. I gave it to the Lord. And I'd say, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because if you did, the peace of God would guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. If you did, it wouldn't be a concern for you. Now, I'm not trying to make light of uh, the struggles with anxiety, because I'll share with you, I have my own anxiety issues as well. I don't allow them to have any power in my life. I don't want to live like that. So I'm constantly giving things back to God. One of the things that's easy for us to have anxiety about is, is our kids, right? We raise them a certain way. We want them to grow up and, and, and we want them to be successful. But most importantly, we want them to know the Lord. We want them to, to not become drug addicts in prison, whatever. We want the best for our kids. At least I don't want my kids to go to jail. You, you might not care. But when our kids were little, we did this thing where we do in, in you know, some evangelical churches, we dedicate our kids to the Lord. You guys ever seen a baby dedication? Do you know what that means? It means you are removing yourself from responsibility and placing yourself in the place of stewardship rather than ownership over your children. And what that means is you trust and depend on God to take care of you and them through you and you don't go crazy every time something bad happens because you, you, you got to fix it and, and, and make it happen and make it good for their life. If you gave your kids to the Lord, the Lord's they will be, and you can trust him to take care of them. I couldn't, I, I don't even want to get into what a terrible teenager I was, the terrible decisions that I made, terrible things that I did. And I'll never forget my, my mom saying to me, she said, you may be doing this stuff now, but I gave you to the Lord. I gave you to the Lord and you're going to be okay. Thankfully, it didn't last that much longer. But how many other things can we have unnecessary anxiety about? Because we really haven't just trusted God to take care of it, given it over to him. Look at, look at what it breaks down. He says, uh, with prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. There's a place where not only are you asking for something, but you're thanking God ahead of time for hearing you and answering. It just may not be the way that you want it to be answered. Let your requests be made known to God. And that's a good reminder as well that they're requests. <laughs> God's in charge. He's got the big picture we can request things and he can say, that's going to be good for you. I'm going to do it. He could also say, that's not going to be good for you. Even though you're requesting it, I'm not going to do it. Just like my kids ask me every morning for ice cream for breakfast. Thank you for the request. No, you're not having ice cream and Coke for breakfast. 
because I know best. I don't want their teeth to fall out of their mouths or get the dental bill later on. Not to mention just that it's not good for your body. Let your requests be made known to God. And when you truly hand something over to God, you pray about it, you have supplication, thanksgiving, you let God know about it. There's a very clear, intimate form of communication we see he's communicating. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding. Have you ever had a peace in a situation that was beyond your understanding? I've experienced this multiple times in my life where I should be crumbling. I should be falling apart. But for some reason, I just had this supernatural, unexplainable peace. That's how we should seek God and continue to exemplify through our lives that we trust him so that not only can we be a support and help for each other, but other people will see, wow, those people are different. They don't respond or act the same way everybody else does, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love this picture of the peace of God. The peace of God guarding us, protecting us against the things that everybody else would be falling apart about. Three things in closing as we wrap up. Number one, I want to exhort you to do more so this week than you did last week. Rejoice. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And then the next thing, be gentle. Be understanding with people. You don't know what people are going through. You have a pattern. You have an example by Jesus. Number three, don't be anxious. I know sometimes it's easier said than done. But pull these verses up. Read them. Exercise how you can really trust or lean on God in something in your life that you're anxious about. And then lastly, what are you patterning your life after? Are you patterning your life after Jesus? Are you walking with him? Are you surrounding yourself with good examples of good patterns? Take this and apply it this week. Be purposeful in your pattern. Be purposeful in your pattern. Say, this is why I'm doing this for this purpose and this reason and allow it to be a manifestation of the power and presence of God in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you speak to us, God, that your word is clear. We thank you that you want us to have joy. You want us to be joyful. And when we trust you, when we trust that your purposes are perfect for us, we can have that joy. When we're anxious and we come to you and cry out to you, we can have that peace that passes understanding. And God, we're just so, we're just so grateful that you desired to have intimacy with us. You desire to speak to us. You desire to communicate with us. You desire to bless us. 
Help us to have the right perspective this week, God. Help us to have that purposefulness in the pattern that's been set, the example that's been made through your son, Jesus Christ, and our brothers and sisters around us. Father, I pray for anybody here this morning, any of my brothers or sisters who struggle with anxiety. I know that it's a real issue. It's one of the leading causes of stress and illness in the United States of America right now. And God, I pray that as an identifier uh, of, of a believer of Jesus Christ, that, that they would step into a new season of trusting you in those things that are out of their control, out of their power, and that you miraculously, God, as they pray, as they thank you, that you would allow your peace to overwhelm them. Standing firm on your promises, that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, all of these things will be added unto us. May we not be earthly-minded, but heavenly-minded in our citizenship, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.